Yep. And right, I'm recording on my side. Chris, can you just make sure you hit the record on character animator? Mm -hmm. And I will record on here. So I think we got 45 minutes with uh, Zoom before we'll, we'll get kicked off on the free version. So can always start over again. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're exactly. doing stuff in post anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. For sure, we could start if we needed to again. Okay. Um, I think we're ready. Chris, are you are you in uh, in character? Hello? <laughs> Where am I? Okay, cool. So let's see here. We are going to have a conversation today with Richard Hart. And I'm here with Bitcoin himself. Hello. Hello, Bitcoin. And, and uh, yeah, we're happy to have everyone joining us today. And Bitcoin, why don't we go ahead and have you start off and let you uh, ask Richard a question. Hey Richard, th thanks for coming on the show and all. Pleasure. Um, so, the first question we have for you, Richard, is is it says on your YouTube description um, that you're a billionaire. Oh yeah. And we we wanted you to clarify uh -huh. how that how that came to be. Well, for some reason, people don't understand the value of units, even though they're taught it in science when they are in high school, that a number of something does not mean anything unless you know what the number is of, right? So you could be a billion molecules or have a, a billion Zimbabwe dollars or trillion Zimbabwe dollars or billion Satoshis, and uh, they're all very different things, right? So if your question is if I'm a USD a billionaire, the answer is definitely not. <laughs> it's very hard to be one. It's a thousand million dollars, so it takes a while to gather that much up. So, uh, Richard, if I may, are we talking Satoshis here? The trick to Bitcoin, as you know, being Bitcoin, is that you talk about Bitcoin itself, you talk about other people's Bitcoin, you don't talk about your own. So Richard, I don't I don't declare my net worth to anyone. Juicy gossip here, Richard. Okay. <laughs> I mean I was a millionaire before Bitcoin existed and retired at the ages of twenty three, so it's like I've been retired a very long time. Of course, since I've been working so hard lately, uh, I guess I'm not retired anymore. Well, if you are a billionaire in, in some capacity, the show is for sale. So oh, nice. throwing out throwing that out there, Richard. It's All always right. for sale to you. All right. Nice. Thank you. Rob, do you want to ask a question? Um, well, Richard, I guess this is something that we've been uh, following a little bit here is, is your HEX project. So All I don't right. know if you wouldn't mind giving just a quick overview of what that is. Sure. And, um, uh, you know. Let us know what well, it's real easy. Uh, you know, Bitcoin's awesome. It was the first uh, digital currency. It does a lot of things really well. It has the most liquidity. Um, it has some of the smartest developers. Uh, you know, it uh, it's pretty well distributed. It's got the most on-ramps. It's got the most regulatory certainty. And that's all awesome. Um, it's really cool. However, there's some of these things it cannot do and will never do and is not programmed to do. And if it did do them, it would make it worse, right? So currency is a small part of finance. When you go to your bank, they offer a lot of products and services that is not cash-based, right? Like when you get a credit card or when you get a time deposit or a certificate of deposit that pays interest, Bitcoin can't do any of those things. Um, the reason it can't do it is because it can only pay inflation, new rewards, new minted coins to people that mine. It will not pay inflation or new minted rewards to people that hold or time lock their coins. So you can time lock your coins in Bitcoin, and it's just a penalty for you. There's no profit in it. You just won't be able to spend your money. Mm -hmm. If you want to replace the CDs, which are $7.2 trillion worth, which is more than fiat exists, uh, you, you need to be able to mint inflation and mint rewards for people that lock, period. So right now, if you want to make more Bitcoin on your Bitcoin, you almost always lose money. So if you give your Bitcoin to an exchange to lend them out to try and earn Bitcoin on your Bitcoin, they get hacked, they go out of business, um, they get their funds seized, and then you lose all your money. So, you know, in order to gain Bitcoin on your Bitcoin, you have to lend them out, and it's always risky to do so. And there's no other way to do it, which is the reason if you look at almost anyone's Bitcoin balance over time, most people just end up having less and less and less. Like take Satoshi, for instance. You know, he has maybe a million and he ain't getting any more. 
right? Mm -hmm. Because they're only given to miners. So Hex does something Bitcoin can't that's super important and addresses a larger market um, with time locking and with fund locking uh, that Bitcoin can't. Um, and it's super important because there's more to finance than currency. So if you want to replace all the legacy crappy systems out there with something better, you got to build them, you got to develop them, you got to design them. So this is the first blockchain CD. It's got a bunch so, of other So this is like cool a staking features. model essentially yeah. is what you're saying. And it's free for Bitcoin holders. If you have Bitcoin, you get this for free. Um, right. We get rid of Mt. Gox. We don't let them claim. We get rid of whales. If you're a whale with uh, 10,000 coins in your address, you lose three quarter of them when you try and claim. If you're a smaller whale, you have a thousand Bitcoin in an address. You lose half of them if you try and claim. Multisig can't claim at all, which most exchanges hold their wallets in multisig. You know, people don't realize this, but 40% of all Bitcoin is held in addresses over a thousand. Now, you probably don't have an address over a thousand. Most people don't, but 40% of all Bitcoin is held in those addresses and they'll all be penalized in hex because we want to help the little guy. If you don't claim on the first day, if you do claim on the first day, you get a 20% bonus. If you don't claim on the first day, you get screwed. Your money keeps getting given to people that did want it, the stakers, the people that time locked. So if you claim the first day, you get a 20% bonus. Every week you don't claim, you lose 2% of your stack to the stakers. And they get paid that in a lump sum at the end of the claim phase, which is 50 weeks. Um, there's a lot of other Richard, really cool stuff in there. Real quick. Yeah. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but were it at one point in your career, were you a Bitcoin maximalist? Yes, hardcore. I wrote essays about how terrible Ethereum was. I damned every ICO, which, you know, look, I was right. Almost, almost every single one of them was horrible. One of them turned out amazing. Um, so most when, when Richard, did you make a deal with the devil? Tell us about how that went. Well, it's like, the funny thing is, as a Bitcoin maximalist, I've never changed my opinion about almost anything. The only two things I've ever changed my opinion on it all, at all, ever, are one, I thought that better technology would uh, outperform price-wise crappier technology. And it's just not true. So what happens is the ICOs were terrible ideas. They were the wrong, they had no product market fit. They were the wrong team building the wrong thing with no incentives to complete what they were doing. So the, 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 the ideal incentive for an ICO is to sell you a big dream, take all the money, quit, and go sell the next guy another new big dream because they're not making anything extra, right? They already got paid in full upfront. So, you know, that's terrible. That, that's not how startups work. That's not how, you know, like locking up money, locking up funds with, uh, you know, getting paid out over time, vesting is what they call it in startups. And that's how things are supposed to work to align incentives, right? And ICOs never had that. <clears throat> now, what did the ICOs do? They went up in price faster and higher than Bitcoin did percentage wise, because that's, that's how economics works. If you have a whole bunch of people that want to put money into a thing, in a short period of time, it's going to go up very high, very fast, and then it's going to die over time. So what you see on the charts of most altcoins and most ICOs is a vertical line followed by death forever. Or usually, like if you look at Dogecoin, vertical line, death for a year or two, vertical line, and it keeps doing that over and over again. The ICOs may never do the pump again, right? So Sure, most of them won't. So I'm I, confused. I don't think so. so you feel like you missed out on the ICO craze, and so that's why you're doing this? It's not, it's not about missing out on the ICO craze. It's, a, it's about me changing my mind on two things ever. I thought Bitcoin would beat Ethereum. I thought Ethereum rolled back the chain. It was unforgivable. I thought that they always had more attack surface, so everyone that used it would always lose more money. It turned out I was wrong. Ethereum has outperformed Bitcoin's ROI since it's existed until uh, the bear market of 2018. And that's when Bitcoin is still down but it's down less, right? So Bitcoin went down 85%, Ethereum went down 95%. It's pretty hard to, to be, you know, hardcore, hey, my thing's so much better than yours when everything went down almost the same amount. It, it's, it feels bad as a maximalist. You're like, oh, well, my thing shouldn't have gone down 85%, right? So that's I'm one thing I changed my mind on I mean, is that crap will pump. There's been big swings in Bitcoin for a long time now. I mean, that's, sure. that's pretty yeah. normal, so. Yep, agree, agree entirely. But, but people will tell you, hey, Wall Street's here now, 
and the type of investor is different now. And we have all this custody and institutional involvement now. So maybe this time it'll be different. And that's what the thinking was. But it wasn't different. It dropped 85%, just like it did in the last bear market. But something was different this time. The bear market didn't last as long. This bear market lasted 364 days. Mm -hmm. And I have bad news, uh, very bad news. Um, I prefer the Bitcoin price be very high. I still own a lot of Bitcoin. I prefer the price be very high. I'm giving this hex token to people for free that hold Bitcoin. And you can also get it by trading Ethereum into it directly in the contract. So all the unclaimed coins every day, like people don't want to claim their uh, free hex as Bitcoin holders. A copy of those unclaimed coins gets put into uh, the contract and given to people at the end of the day if they send ETH in. Mm -hmm. So the first day, it gives out a billion. So if you put in a, a GUI, one, 17, 0 0.17 0.17 and a 1, if you put that much Ethereum in, you could get a billion hex that day if you're the only guy that's in there, right? If other people join in, well, then the ratio is less, right? And it does that every day for uh, 351 days. And it's just so a copy a, of the a, unclaimed. A CD, though, let's, let's mm -hmm. be clear on one thing. A CD mm -hmm. is, is a, a cash deposit, mm -hmm. right? It's cash, and people want cash. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, so, so they're, they're putting their cash into this instrument. It's being loaned out. They're mm -hmm. receiving interest. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Hex is a, is a new uh, instrument that doesn't have uh, the market and, and the network effects of, of cash or yep. even a Bitcoin or Ethereum mm -hmm. for that matter. Yep. So, you know, it, I think it's interesting, of course, that you're, you're trying to tackle this, this question of CDs and it's a big market, as you say, but, um, but it seems like there is a missing piece here, which is that, you know, no one knows what Hex is and, and most people don't want it or care about it. Well, well, I got, I don't know about that. I've spent $0 on marketing and there's 3,500 real users. All bots get banned as soon as they join. If the first thing they post is a link banned, if the first thing they post is a forward banned, if there, there's a global list across all of Telegram that searches for people who have been banned elsewhere, and if they get banned too many other places, it bans them. We have the cleanest user list possible. There's 3,500 people in there that want hacks badly and love it. We've got 15,000 people on the mailing list, all real people. Um, and this is with $0 spent marketing, no demo. Um, we're just now getting out of audit. So we've been, we got our audit results in two weeks ago, doing back and forth, uh, fixing what they think problems are. Some of the things they think are problems really aren't. One of the things was a problem and we have an easy fix for it that we're doing. You know, if you look at the market cap of companies versus the number of users they have in their chat rooms, you can do the math pretty quickly. Um, there's a lot of value in this thing, uh, a lot. Now I can tell you that the market for crypto and the market for CDs is opposite. People that buy CDs are risk averse. People that buy crypto love risk. They want right. mad gains. So what we're doing is we're attacking a very, very large market. And that's amazing and great. But our real use case is being the fastest appreciating coin that's ever existed. Um, probably, this is gonna sound funny, this could be the fastest appreciating thing that's ever been seen in the history of mankind before. Because crypto is already that. And if you bought Ethereum during its crowd sale, which lasted uh, you know, less than two months, you bought it 31 cents, right? So originally you could get 2,000 Ethereum for one Bitcoin. And then as the crowd sale went down, uh, went on, it went down to 1337 uh, Ethereum per Bitcoin. But the price of Bitcoin uh, went down during that time. So it averaged out to about 31 cents across the whole time. And it went up 4,500 times in two and a half years from 31 cents to $1,400. You know how long I had to wait holding Bitcoin when I got in at 2011? I bought in at 30. I mined earlier than that, full blocks, no pool. It took me a very, very, very long time to, to get that ROI, right? Right. As a matter of fact, sure. if, you, if you take 30 to 20,000, that's not even 1,000x, right? To, to get from 30 to 20,000, to get 1,000x, it'd have to go to 30,000. I didn't get as good a return holding Bitcoin for nine years as the Ethereum guys got in two and a half years, right? Yeah. So I was in <clears> on the <throat> Ethereum crowd sale and it was obviously uh, meteoric, uh, but you know, 
Ethereum also benefited from the foundation that was put down by Bitcoin. Um, mm, and a lot of people, so. you know, a lot of people <clears throat> were looking for the next big thing. Mm -hmm. And there was a it lot was, of hype it was the next big thing. It outperformed. Right. Well, but, you know, there's also questions now about the path forward, right? And, and the fact yeah. that they've been talking about how to scale Ethereum and, and there have been delays. Scaling is the wrong out. question. So, so I'm, I'm more than happy to talk shit about Ethereum while, see, when you speak to me, you have to open your mind to a, dual, a duality of positions because I understand fully and completely and can market well to you the pros of a thing. And I understand fully and completely and can market well to you the cons of the thing. So I can tell you everything that's great about Bitcoin and the crap. I can tell you everything that's great about Ethereum and the crap. And they both have a lot of crap, right? So let's talk about what's crap in Ethereum, right? I'm talking to Bitcoin. Let's, let's pick on Ethereum. Let's beat up on them, right? Let's do it, Richard. Rolled back the chain. Okay, you can't do that. The only, the only thing blockchains exist for is censorship resistance, period. It, that's all it does is it's a database that stores data and has a, you get a password. You know, you get your private key to your public uh, key. Your address is really a hash of a public key in, in Bitcoin. Right. And uh, that allows you to append data to the database. And then rules are checked in the nodes that the data that you're appending is legit. Oh, he didn't just invent these coins, right? They're, they're real, you know? So the coins got sent here and they were debited there, right? It uses a UTXO system, which is hard to understand. Ethereum uses a balance system, which is easy to understand, but less anonymous. Um, if, if in Ethereum you roll back the chain, there's nothing worse than that. But then you ask yourself the question, who did the chain roll back for? It was a hacker. Would the world have been better if the hacker was allowed to keep the money? Actually not. Could they roll back the chain again now if they wanted to? No. Well, how do you know? Because the guy who invented Solidity, uh, Gavin Wood, had a startup called Polkadot that lost hundreds of millions of dollars. And if the chain could be rolled back, they'd roll it back for him and his startup. Another contract that people are using for multi-sig had an error in it that was developed by the parity team, who also was run by Gavin Wood. They would have rolled back the chain for that too, but they don't. And so hundreds of millions of dollars of the innest of insiders is sitting locked in the chain with no rollbacks, even though he would like it to happen. He's asked for it to happen. They won't do it. So you're not going to see chain rollbacks anymore because the guy with the so most power. That, that was an anomaly is what you're saying, a one-off. Well, yeah, because what happens is it's just like IPv4. Once you have enough uh, logic in silicon, which can't be edited any longer, it doesn't matter whether you reach consensus or not. You just can't go back and change things anymore. And, and once you get a distributed enough system, like for instance, let's take Bitcoin. What's the last upgrade you got in Bitcoin? Segwit two years ago. Okay, two years has gone by. Where are my upgrades? You're not gonna get any more. You're not gonna get any more upgrades, why? Because you had to cheat and lie and steal to get Segwit. You had to convince the miners you were gonna give them two megabyte blocks if they gave you Segwit. They gave you the Segwit and then you didn't give them the two megabyte blocks, right? With the New York agreement. So that if you had to lie, cheat, and steal just to get SegWit, which is not confrontational or exciting at all, it just made the blocks a little bit more efficient. You could stack a little bit more data in the same size of space. And there was a little bit of, of block size increase in there. You do get blocks that are about 1.25 megabytes now, and really the, you know, the cap used to be one megabyte. Um, and well, and it was necessary for layer two. Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. I, transaction mailability in layer two, absolutely a wonderful upgrade. But imagine now if you tried to upgrade with something actually good, actually useful, like privacy, anonymity, right? Right now, Bitcoin, everything's tracked to hell. Anything you ever spend, it's very easy to tell who you were if you ever screw up once. If anyone ever knows that, oh, that was tied to that guy, they can go back and tie you to everything forever, pretty much. So what if you had Mimblewimble or all these different ZK snarks, different transactional technologies to, to hide with privacy what's going on. It will never get rolled in. Why? Because the people who actually make money in crypto are two sets of people, three sets actually. Exchanges make a lot of money. They do that two ways. Giving you margin to kill yourself with, which hey, if you want to kill yourself with margin, go to richardhart.win. You can go 100x right now, get a discount, right? Uh, two, they have a fiat on-ramp with a bank of which is maybe only five banks in the United States total that will take you as a crypto exchange. 
they value those relationships with the banks because if they lose them, they got a business. That's a billion dollar company, Coinbase say, right? Kraken, mm-hmm. Coinbase. I guess there's Binance US now just opening up. Um, if those guys want to stay billion dollar companies, they need that bank. If the bank sees some messaging in the news networks about funding terrorism and untraceable coins and dark net and drugs, they will lose their bank accounts. They will go out of business. The regulators will crush them, right? So how do they avoid those problems? Well, with Coinbase, they track what you do with your coins. And they also send out 1099s and then the IRS sends you a message saying, hey, uh, you didn't claim your, your sales properly. You owe us money. That's the problem of using U.S. exchanges is that you're going to get interesting letters from people that know what you're doing with your private life because they were told by the people you're doing business with, in this case, Coinbase, which they don't have a choice, right? They have to came, well, maintain so far, their bank account. it was a small amount of people on Coinbase. And, mm, you know, so I, think I don't know if 10,000 people is a small amount to you, but um, I, I, I think it's a lot of people. user base, it is relatively small. It would be larger if more people made more money. <laughs> it was just a function of how much money people made, right? It wasn't that the number was limited. The number of people that profited over $10,000 was limited. It was the reason that, that that number was as low as it was. My point is that all of the money in crypto is made by coin founders. What's up? Hi, right? Exchanges that offer margin or offer an on-ramp to fiat. The reason you won't get a, an actually interesting uh, fork rolled into Bitcoin is because all of the exchanges will stop it. There's a reason that you can't buy anonymous coins most places. It's because they don't want you using them on the dark net. They don't want you buying firearms with them. They don't want you buying cigarettes with them. They don't want you buying pornography with them. They don't want you buying anything that will get a regulator pissed off at them. So in the United States, they had something called Operation Choke Point or Choke Hold, which was designed to shut down the banking for anyone in payday loans or firearms or uh, one or two other industries I don't remember. And those same guys will lean on crypto for the exact same reasons. I mean, we have people in Congress right now saying make crypto illegal entirely because of Al Qaeda or human trafficking, which is my fucking hilarious one. Well, I've never you know, like there are there are arguments against <clears throat> adding privacy layers or privacy tech to Bitcoin because there's the danger that, um, you know, we maybe wouldn't have provable scarcity as we do right now. That's an excellent point. You that know, is a so very I, advanced, I excellent point that most people don't know. Stay uh, as mm-hmm. it is. And I, I think, you know, granted, there are some other ideas they're working on that, that I think have merit, but to the, see the thing is, it doesn't know. matter what they're working on. What, what the developers develop does not matter whatsoever at all. What now, if you go so, so to the Bitcoin, no more soft forks for Bitcoin. That's what your prediction is. No, so, soft forks are a different deal. Hard forks are harder. Soft forks are easier. You might be able yeah. to get a soft fork. You're not going to get anonymity. That's my point. You're not going to get a soft or a hard fork for anonymity. It's not going to happen because all the exchanges yeah, I, will shut down. I think down. that's true. And I think that's yeah. probably for the better, actually. It could be. So I'm going to expand on that point so that the listeners understand what you're saying. A lot of coins, the biggest problem in crypto, other than no adoption, is inflation bugs. Bitcoins had one inflation bug where they had to roll a chain back. People were printing at least one entity. It printed a few billion Bitcoin that they shouldn't have had particularly when the cap of all Bitcoin total is supposed to be 21 million, some hundred years in the future. So they rolled back the chain for that. I think it was in 2009. It might've been 2010. Definitely wasn't 2011. Now, who else has had inflation bug problems? Almost everyone. Bitcoin-based coins, of which Monero is one, had an an invisible inflation bug where the currency could inflate and no one would ever know. Because you can't verify the actual supply of Monero because, as you said, it's all anonymous. So you don't know what anyone's balances are, right? In Bitcoin, you at least know that there's not invisible inflation because you can count all the coins that exist. When you open up Bitcoin Core, there's a function you can run in the terminal that will tell you the supply. In uh, XLM had an inflation bug. Most of these are caught before they're executed. On the Bitcoin one, of which Monero is a fork, the, some of the Bitcoin forks that weren't Monero didn't patch it and they were executed, the inflation bug. Mm-hmm. About a year ago, Bitcoin Cash developer discovered an inflation bug that was introduced into Bitcoin. And instead of exploiting it, he was a nice guy and told Bitcoin Core about it and they patched it. And originally they patched it just saying it was a denial of service bug upgrade. But in reality, it was a denial of service bug upgrade and a print as many coins as you want for free bug that they told people about after the patching was done. 
right? Ethereum has never had an inflation bug. XLM has, Zcash has, Monero has, all the Bitcoin forks have, Bitcoin has, one executed in the wild, one not. They're a huge problem. The reason I mention this is because one, it's the most common problem most coins have. It's more common than 51% attacks. Um, you know, Lumen's never had a 51% attack. I'm not sure that you could even do it. I, I don't think that they use the same type of distributed architecture, which is vulnerable to that type of thing. Um, in Bitcoin, in Hex, we are less vulnerable to inflation bugs because our consensus code is locked into a mutable smart, immutable smart contract. No one can change it. Absolutely no one can change it. So it's easy to introduce Bitcoin uh, inflation bugs into Bitcoin because the consensus code touches the wallet code, touches the networking code. And when you go to improve networking, you end up letting people print as many free coins as they want, which is what the last inflation bug was. I think Rusty Russell, um, I think Rusty Russell was the one that introduced the bug. He's also the guy that invented lightning. Two guys actually invented lightning at the same time. His was the more popular one that more people noticed. Uh, I think he tried to optimize the networking stack and accidentally introduced the inflation bug and no one caught it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, we're very unlikely to have that problem. Ethereum's never had an inflation bug and our consensus code is isolated and locked. So it's just very hard to screw up. <clears throat> so the other, what did I change my mind on, right? <laughs> I changed my mind on crap will pump and it will out pump real things. And all of the garbage out pumped Bitcoin hard, right? Uh, I didn't know that would happen. Now here's the other thing that I changed my mind on. I thought the altcoins were bad for Bitcoin's price. That was 100% wrong. These are the only two things I've ever changed my mind on it was wrong about that I'm aware of. When people have a reason to buy a thing, they buy it. Why did the Ethereum price go up? Because that was the on-ramp to all these scams. Scams are doing advertising in the real world, bringing new customers and new money. The original money in Bitcoin was gold bugs and libertarians, right? People that like guns, people that like gold, people that don't like the government. That's the original Bitcoin people, right? Right. I like those people, good people. I consider myself one of those people. However, uh, there's not enough of us in the world to make the price pump forever, right? So then you get Silicon Valley types, which was the Ethereum epic right? That next layer of time was the Ethereum guys. And you got the Silicon Valley guys that were in the startup space. They have more money. Gold bugs don't have as much money as startup guys. Startup guys have access to public funds and do A rounds, B rounds, and C rounds, and have IPOs and have billions of dollars. So, you know, having Joe Lubin go around with his foundation and say, hey, this is the next thing. It's going to do all this amazing stuff. It's going to be a world computer. Uh, you know, that brought on a lot of kumbaya, soy-based, non-stake, non-gold bug money, and then that ran out. And that's why you see Ethereum drop 95%. <clears throat> the Bitcoin guys, everyone that wants in has already been in for a long time. We can't hold the price up. We're already all in. So what am I going to do, right? I'm already all in. Uh, what am I going to buy extra with? I guess I'll go work at a McDonald's or something, right? So <clears throat> when you're all in and you already own all that you can of a thing, you can either take on margin and pump the price a little bit unless you get squeezed and then you end up hurting the price. Uh, or you can just tell other people to buy. It's basically all you can do. Or you can work a job and find other income to, to try and buy some more. So you're looking for new verticals. Now, who's out there finding new verticals, new industries? Real-ass Ponzi schemes. A real Ponzi scheme that existed only in Asia that none of the West knew about, and this makes me very, very sad. None of the West knew about it. They pumped and bought so much Bitcoin. So imagine you create a Ponzi scheme, right? How does a Ponzi scheme work? You make giant promises and then you pay off the early guys by stealing money from the later guys. And that works until you've stolen so much money from the later guys that aren't any left to pay the, the new guys and then it collapses, right? So let's say a Ponzi scheme says it's gonna pay you, uh, you know, 1% a week. Well, over, after 100 weeks of paying you, it doesn't have any of your money left to pay you or anyone else because it's out of your money, right? You think that they still have your money and they're just paying you gains, but really they're just paying you back with your own money and other people's money and whatnot. This plus token has 96,000 Bitcoin left over from its scam. And its scam ran for a year and a half or two years and paid 100,000, 200,000 Bitcoin to the people at the top tiers of it, right? So it, did, it bought 300,000 Bitcoin, which is $3 billion of Bitcoin and got to keep 1 billion of them after they got arrested. 
Chinese government extradited them from Vanuatu. They're Chinese citizens. Now, this makes me very sad because, one, I hate Ponzi schemes. Two, I didn't know what was happening. So when we found the bottom of Bitcoin in 3000 we went up in price four and a half times to 14000 over about five months. We went up 100% a month. That math is funny, but you get the idea. You did yeah, yeah. 3000 to 14000 in four and a half months with only one 25% dip. Bitcoin doesn't do that shit. That was totally 100% unreasonable. With no, few, like, no big whale bought the bottom because you would have seen him front run his spot buy with buying options and buying futures and driving those margins up and driving those premiums up. And then he buys a spot and then he cashes out his wins on his leverage products with the spot that he just bought. None of that happened. We were at, we were at deficits the futures and the options were showing Bitcoin was going to continue to go down. They were underpriced while the pump went up 5x. We started to see premium on the futures and options maybe the last two months. That was all the Ponzi. So Bitcoin used to be the Ponzi in 2017. The price went up. Everyone got rich. Everyone told their friends. The price went up. Everyone got rich. Everyone told their friends. Bitcoin was the Ponzi. This time, Plus Token was the Ponzi. And Bitcoin was the excuse to get into the Ponzi. That was their excuse. So the original Ponzi, Charles Ponzi, who invented the idea, said he was arbitraging stamps. He was buying stamps in one country and selling them to another country and getting postage for less, right? All of these other scams like BitConnect and Plus Token operate on the exact same idea of arbitrage because people are convinced by the, oh, I don't understand how, what it is. So it's complicated, so it must be real, this appeal to complexity. Mm -hmm. So they got you, there was like five tiers, you would get in and then you get other people in and then you'd give them all your money. You give them your real Bitcoin and then they'd give you their token, which they just pulled out of their ass, right? And you thought that that thing was super valuable until they all went to jail and that thing went to zero and then they've got all your Bitcoin, you've got nothing, unless you got it early, which a lot of guys did. So there's a new number five highest value Bitcoin address that holds 94,000 Bitcoin right now. People think that that's backed. It's not, okay? Backed is insured for 125 million total. So you wouldn't put a billion dollars into it. Second, they wish it was backed because they think it's going to drive the price up. Let me tell you a secret. People don't send Bitcoin to an exchange to buy more Bitcoin. They send Bitcoin to an exchange to sell the Bitcoin. They send fiat to an exchange to buy Bitcoin. So if you saw a billion dollars of cash going to backed, great. Maybe the price is going to go up. But if you saw a billion dollars of, of coin, of Bitcoin going to the, the exchange, you better be worried about that because they're not buying more coin with their coin. They're dumping it, right? But it's not backed anyway, so it doesn't matter. I'm just letting you know the hopium stupidity of, of the average noob tier speculator. So now, why now thir a third of those coins in that new 94,000 coin address came from Huobi, which just happens to be 50% of the withdrawals from the Ponzi. So we know that there's hundreds of thousands of users in Huobi that bought into the Ponzi and profited by getting out early. Maybe there's only ten tens of thousands that got out early, um, but there's definitely hundreds of thousands that got in there. And now those addresses have sent money to this new 94,000 address. My conspiracy theory, which I don't have much evidence for, other than what I've told you about the source of the funds, is that they're going to get reloaded into a new Ponzi or that that's just some guy's cash out, right? That, you know, he was some number of the users there by smurfing. And, you know, really they were just all his brothers and cousins and sisters and whatnot. It's not, it's not easy to find 94,000 Bitcoin and put them into a single address. And it's not easy to not hit. This was pisses me off about crypto so much. The language barrier. All the coins are mined in China. Apparently, the most recent scam that bought the bottom, the people that bought the bottom were the people getting scammed. And then the 14K top was the day they got arrested. Plus or minus one, because there's a time shift. So, you know, their time charts are based on UTC time. They got arrested in Vanuatu. I'm not sure how much delay there was between their actual arrest and the notification of their arrest. So I'm going to call it plus or minus a day. The 14,000 top was when they got arrested. And if you look at the balances of their accounts and when they went hyperbolic, it was right when Bitcoin went from 3K to 14K is when their balances were exploding. So the people that bought the bottom were the people that got scammed. The people that got to keep their money were the scammers, the Ponzi schemers. They're in jail now. And now we've had a dip in Bitcoin from 14K to 10K for 75 days. I think we're on day 77 now. That has never, ever, 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 ever happened 
from 200 to 20,000. When we went from 200 to 20,000 up 100x, we never dipped more than 40%, and we never did it for more than 37 or 40, 42 days. 37 to 45 around that, that range. So this 70 day dip bullshit after a hyperbola that went from 3K to 14K in four and a half months without a 25% dip, now we've been down 35% for 70 something days. I think we do a new bear market now. And I think when back launches on September 26th or 27th or 20 whatever, that you know it's gonna be another sell news event just like the CME was, right? Because people think when a new product launches, oh, we're going to the moon. Pro tip, guys, they don't have any fucking users. The thing just started. It just existed. Like right now, CME has maybe 2,200 users total. So where do you think all these magical backed users are going to come from? Do you think they couldn't have bought on OTC? Do you think they couldn't have bought from, like, let me give you the list of places, right? People that wanted to buy could have bought. So there's not some giant pent-up demand that you couldn't get access, right? So, so what's my point? My point is that Bitcoin was the Ponzi in 2017. Plus token was a Ponzi in 2018 and 2019. And what if you had a new system that used the same type of tactics that they do with referral programs, but instead of having an exit scam in the end, you had a trustless smart contract that's been audited by two companies. Ethereum's never had a, a, an audit. Bitcoin's never had an audit. Hex has had two audits and they're done now. We're just fixing the one thing that was interesting that they found. Um, so to say that Bitcoin was a Ponzi in 2017, mm -hmm. I think it's not accurate. I mean, it, there's no there's no stealing from Peter to pay Paul going on with Bitcoin. It's it's a cryptographic uh, asset that you can hold. Um, and if you if someone if you told someone to buy it, it went down 85 percent. They're going to use bad words at you and your project. Right well, that's now, fine, Amazon went down 85 percent. I know I said it was like beanie babies, but that's that's mm -hmm. not accurate. No, look, I, I'm an expert on the difference between a Ponzi and a speculative bubble and a third category of thing because I wrote an essay on it. A Ponzi is when you promise returns you can't pay and then you fail. Bitcoin doesn't promise you returns. It's not a Ponzi. However, when people say that a thing is a Ponzi, they don't actually give a shit about the real definition of it. When people say a thing's a Ponzi, what they really mean is you're going to lose all your fucking money. Now, if you bought Bitcoin at 20K and you wrote it to 3K and you couldn't take the pain, pain anymore and you sold which is, by the way, how you got to 3K. A lot of people had to take a loss to get down to 3K. 3K is the fucking price back in 2017 in June or July when China banned it. That's when we did 3K, right? Yeah, I mean, the amount of people that actually bought Bitcoin at 20,000 is minuscule. It's very few. It was there for a few mm -hmm. hours. I'm aware. You know, so it's, uh, you know, to, yep. this is a, to me, this is a lot of, quite frankly, kind of fear-mongering. That well, that's okay, because if you wanted right. to add more hours, then you could just take right. the guys that bought at 6K and lost half their money at 3K, right? So, yeah, I mean, in any market, there are going to be winners and losers, but if you hold Bitcoin for the long term, regardless of when you buy, if you have a few years of a, yes. of a window of a hold, yep. you're going to be just fine. You're, you're quoting me to me. I, I say this shit all the time. If you have a three-year time horizon, then no one has ever lost money buying Bitcoin ever. I agree with that. Right. But right. how many people that are down 50% can hold the three years, right? So well, this this is part of the learning process of being in, in markets, and a lot of people are getting into crypto without any experience in investing or trading, right. and they they get burned, you know, and that's part right. of part of growing up, right? You you, you have to learn. It doesn't have to be, like it does. It doesn't. I, I think it is. I think it's part of part and parcel of, of life is that you, you learn hard lessons and so uh, ones so we're we're talking now about things that suck in crypto, right? So let's talk about fixing those things, okay? 40% of all Bitcoin is held in addresses over a thousand, which is the exact opposite of what Bitcoin was designed to do. Well, how many Bit of those addresses are, are exchanges, right? A lot, or, which or is the exact opposite of what Bitcoin was designed to do. Well, Bitcoin was designed to, to be is, a bearer asset that, that you bear. Money is held by a small amount of people. And my point that's is not what that I'm saying. I'm not talking about the Gini coefficient. That are owned I'm, not, by many people. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the Gini coefficient, which is the distribution of the percentage of wealth across its participants. I'm talking about the security model of people having bearer assets that they control where they can't be censored, where their money is truly their money. When you put your money into an exchange, it is not your money, it is their money, period. 
and they don't have to let you spend it. And if you have a Coinbase account and you spend your money on the dark net and they catch you, they will turn your account off. If you have a Coinbase account and you donate to WikiLeaks after you get your coins, I think they shut your account down. Google it, look into it. Yeah, I mean, people they watch what you do with your coins after you get them. Exchanges for long periods of time. <clears throat> I mean, even I mean, even ever. Like so what I'm what I'm saying is there's obviously a problem in Bitcoin that people are not using it as they're supposed to. You're not supposed to use the same address twice. Listen to me. You're not supposed to use the same address twice. If you give two people the same address to pay them, you're using Bitcoin incorrectly. But people fucking do it anyway because they're stupid and they don't read the manual, all right? You're not I mean, supposed to leave your coins on an exchange. Like concerns for privacy or not, right? If, if you are a public entity and you actually want to be able to track more easily where your money has come from, maybe you actually want to use one address. No, instead. you can you can use the HD wallet view function to just give them a higher key in the in the in the hierarchy, and it will show you all the balances of the lower keys. You don't you don't have like you can give them a list of their accounts and not even use that advanced crap. There's no reason to screw everyone that receives the money in the future by reducing the anonymity set, by reducing the UTXOs, by using the same address over and over again. Don't take my word for it. Go to the Bitcoin wiki and read about address reuse and why it sucks. I understand, I understand that. I'm just saying that I think it depends on the user to say that someone is... It hurts the whole ecosystem. Because they're not doing it the way It hurts like. the whole ecosystem. That's the same thing as saying, look, I don't mind laws because I have nothing to hide. So you should have nothing to hide. No, some people do have shit to hide. And actually everyone does, or we'd all give out each other's email passwords. You need to protect the anonymity set of Bitcoin by not being a dick and using one address for everything. You're hurting everyone else. Because now when someone else receives that money from you, he's de-anonymized because you let yourself get screwed, right? It's, it's... How is the recipient de-anonymized? If, if, if you go to mix your coins in a group of eight other people and seven of those people turn out to be the same guy, he just knows who you were and what you did, right? So you need coins that come from places that are unknown to enter an anonymity set so that you can hide under the radar. Let me give you another example. Right, Let's but I'm say, saying, look, if, if I send a coin from my address, which has been reused to another address, say yours, but no mm -hmm. one knows it's yours, then how is, how is that going to change your anonymity in this situation? And if you are using multiple addresses, HD wallet, et cetera, mm -hmm. and, you know, where the money came from on my end is, has no effect on you. If I, I don't want to get into a drawn out debate about anonymity in the currency because it's a minority of the people that use it anyway. If you want anonymity, go use Monero. If you're trying to use Bitcoin for anonymity, you're stupid. So I'll just, I'll just shortcut the, the entire no, thing by no, saying, no, don't use Bitcoin for anonymity. Why don't, why don't we change the topic a little bit? Mm -hmm. Because we've gone on a long time about uh, Bitcoin in this, mm -hmm. uh, this way. Um, can, we, can we just say what the solution is real quick to the big price drops? The prices wouldn't drop so much if people were forced to have a longer time horizon using time locks, just like they do in startup businesses with vesting, just like they do in the rural world with CDs and treasuries and bonds. They have longer time horizons. If you create a product like Hex that forces people to have longer time horizons, they don't sell at the bottom because they can't sell, right? They don't, uh, it just solves a lot of the price volatility when you have people time locking. <clears throat> I don't know about that, but you know, Bitcoin, why does it exist? Why does vesting exist in startups? Time, right. I, we've seen the volatility decreasing. Uh, no, you steadily haven't. Since you didn't. Inception. Nope. It went back up. It started going down for a while, but now it's actually the highest it's ever been. That's what happens when you go up five X in five months. It pushes the volatility I, up. I, well, I don't know. It's a go on trading view and add the volatility indicator, click indicators, type volatility, and just look at it. <clears throat> It may be an anomaly, but the general trend has been down for years. Um, and you, I think you can't go up 5x in five months without hitting a volatility trigger. It's math. You, you went up a lot in a short time. That's the definition of volatility. I understand what volatility is. My point is that overall the trend has been down. It, it um, was for a while, yeah. Yep. Right. Well, so you can you would expect larger economic mass to do that. The trend has still been down is what I'm saying. If you use a long enough time frame, sure. 
but that, but to the people that are bullish, it's not, that's not better. Right. So we're talking about going up in five X in five months as volatility is being bad. Let's be serious. No one gives a shit about up volatility. Up volatility is fabulous. Only down volatility sucks. Right. So yeah, the most, I mean, the best way to look at it is the sharp a, ratio. A point anyway, for that reason. Well, we have the sharp um, ratio. The sharp ratio is how much volatility did you pay as risk for how much upside and the sharp ratio of Bitcoin is fantastic. So uh, is is Bitcoin still with us here? I just took a nap. <laughs> Sorry, Bitcoin. <laughs> we started talking about exciting advanced stuff. This is one of the smarter con conversations that I've ever had on Bitcoin. And I'm, I love to have it here. Most people don't know that invisible inflation is a thing. Most people don't know it's a problem for anonymity coins. Most people don't like a lot of the stuff we're talking about now. People have never heard before. Most people haven't heard a plus token. <clears throat> Did you know 10 years old. <laughs> no, I'm learning a lot about myself right now. <laughs> um, uh, um, Richard, real quick, to, before we wrap up, I, I just had a question. Have you watched the show? Be, be honest. Yeah, not whole episodes, but definitely parts of episodes. I tend to scan things and go very quickly with things. I probably should have not scanned as quickly on your episodes. They're very fun. Richard, that kind of hurts my feelings. Hey, man, you're only 10 <laughs> years old, bro. Come on. I'll buy you an ice cream. <laughs> Uh, cool. Um, yeah. Any other questions you have for Richard? Uh, Bitcoin. Sorry. <laughs> What'd you say? Do you have any <laughs> other uh, questions for for Richard? Well, if if Richard hasn't seen the show, then no. <laughs> hey man, I mined full ass blocks with no pool on my own on fifty nine seventy GPUs. I did my part to actually make Bitcoin exist. Like the, some of the blocks and transactions that were done were ones my computer let happen, right? I'm forever in the chain. And I can tell you on the price chart, some of those fucking wicks are mine too. So it's like, I'm, I am indelibly forever in the chain and in the price chart. Well, we appreciate it, Richard. Well, yeah, I, I think Bitcoin's fantastic. I think it's got the largest liquidity. I think it's, um, it's got a lot of really good things going on it. And I think you should want more from the world. I think you should want anonymity. So you should look at other products like Nick Zabo says Monero is very good. He invented the, the term smart contracts. A lot of people think he's Satoshi. I don't. He works at Blockstream, right? He thinks Monero is good. I don't hold a big bag of Monero. I got maybe a grand of it that I'll pay people with, um, you know, for like rewards and such. Uh, but if you want something better out of the world, I think anonymity is a good thing to want. If you want to replace finance, Bitcoin can't do CDs. Hex can do CDs and you're getting the things for free. I'm giving them to you for free. Each one of your Bitcoin turns to 12,000 Hex on the first day. You could sell for free yourself and get 15,840 of them. You know, you want to know what else was given for free to Bitcoin people? Lumens, top 10 crypto. XRP, top 10 crypto. They give it to anyone with an email address actually. Uh, Lumens, you had to hold Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin Cash, top 10 crypto, also given for free to Bitcoin holders but it went down from half of Bitcoin's value down to 2% of Bitcoin's value. Now, how stupid did you feel not selling it, right? So if, you, if people give you free things in Bitcoin and you don't take them, you, you must not like so money. You, so you're telling us we should get our hex and sell it? You can try, but you're gonna be <laughs> locked up for a year. See, I'm smart. If you, go, if you drive on the highway and you see a sign that says free tickets, you call it, you're like, yeah, I want free tickets to Disney World. They tell you, sure, come on, watch our sales presentation. You know, we got a vacation package. We're going to try and sell you, but we'll give you the free tickets after you're done. Their sales presentation is so good selling timeshare that they get enough money from the people that show up that they can give everyone free tickets and have a billboard forever. And let me tell you how hard it is to have a billboard forever. Nobody makes money on billboards. That's why they keep rotating. If people made money on billboards, you see it be the same thing forever. Now, do they give you your tickets before you show up to the presentation? No, they give it to you after. Why? Because they know you're going to buy in. Hex is the same way. You, when you free claim your Hex, 90% of them are auto staked for 50 weeks. And you're going to keep seeing the amount of Hex you get go up because of the interest system and the staking system and getting all the unclaimed coins at the end of the 50 weeks. And then after you have a year of feeling great about this thing because it keeps going up, then you can decide whether you want to sell or not. And so after I show you a, a year of gains, then you can decide whether you want to dump the 90% that was auto locked or not. <clears throat> 
Well, I, I think it's interesting that you're trying to innovate. I'm, I'm, you know, as you probably figured out, a little skeptical, but uh, should be. Most altcoins suck. Most projects suck. Read the yeah. code, and you know, read the literature. And if you claim your free thing and it doesn't work out, okay, you paid two cents to an Ethereum transaction fees to claim it. You paid two cents for it. Well, I definitely like your issuance model better than, than quite a few of uh, these. Obviously, the ICOs were pretty... Uh, They're the worst. They just took everyone's money and burnt it. They just bought a big office. And you still see people doing it. Zcash is doing it right now. So apparently, Zcash has 80 devs and some many millions of dollars a year of overhead for a product that has absolutely zero product market fit and is the worst performing crypto of 2019. Yeah, I never liked that. I don't like the so, trusted setup. Seems like a very bad idea. Not not only is a trusted setup a bad idea, but the founders tax is a very bad bad idea as well. Because so the founders tax hurts forever, and it hurts more in the future because they're taking twenty five percent of the block, or ten percent, or twenty percent, whatever it's at now. They're taking some huge percentage of the block, and the more valuable the currency would be, the more that hurts, right? So you know, look, I've I've had a lot of companies. I had a hundred and fifty person marketing company that I founded, and I've had some companies fail. And you just got to fire everybody. If you don't have product market fit, you got to fire everybody because you're wasting the employee's time. You're wasting the public's time. You're, you're right. like, you're wasting everyone's time doing something that the market does not want. And the fire, the sooner you fire everybody, the sooner you stop wasting people time, attention with ads that don't work, the better it is for the whole planet. So I wish that you cash a swift death basically. <laughs> there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's uh, Richard's wish is for Zcash to die. I guess I. Uh, hey, I would be easier on him, but Zuko blocked me when I said, "Hey, you guys already have." The, they they made a thing where they're like, "Yo, we want to get more because we, our founders tax isn't paying enough anymore." So we want to like we they they hijack the brand so that they control the brand, and they don't they wouldn't give it to the foundation like the company kept the brand, and now they they're like holding it hostage to try trying to get more money out of the ecosystem when all they've done is dump the price into death for years. So it's like. And so I mentioned, I'm like, you know, no one else gets a founder's tax. It's just you guys. So you have like entire crypto, you get paid more than any devs anywhere. And what have you done with it? And I got a block on that one. So <laughs> it turns out when you threaten a guy's, you know, livelihood, uh, he tends to block you. So like I understand. That. Well, Richard, thank you so much for coming on to speak with uh, Bitcoin and I. Real pleasure. pleasure. I didn't really say that much. But... All you got to do is keep making blocks and doing transactions and we still love you. As long as you keep that 99% uptime, 99.9%, .9%, right? Unless you subtract, oh, when all these changes won't let you transact because some fork thing's happening, but we don't count those for some reason. I'm trying, Richard. I'm trying real hard. <laughs> Pleasure. And, uh, we're, we're, we'll hope that the next time you come on, Richard, you'll, you'll have watched all of the episodes and enjoyed them thoroughly. I, I have the desire to sell Bitcoin shirts because most of my fans are Bitcoin guys. I got a lot of Bitcoin. And I bought this test shirt and I actually don't like it. I, I want a better shirt. So I will be selling, I will be wearing a Bitcoin shirt the next time that we do this, but I don't own one right now. And the people that I had print this, I don't think did as, a good job on it. So I'm looking for a good printer. Next time I'm with you guys, I'm wearing a Bitcoin shirt. a Bitcoin and friend shirt for the next time. How about that? All right. Sounds good. Cool. It was good talking to you guys. Thanks, Richard. Appreciate it. Bye, Richard.